Salutations. I am Kenneth Barrios, leadership coach and owner of Key Bravo Leadership Development with the mission of unleashing your talents and maximizing your impact without compromising your time. Welcome to our 16th Law Success series, where I read out loud about 20 to 30 minutes of this great tone for your audio pleasure. This book is the foundation of which all other personal and professional development is based, written by Napoleon Hill in 1928. I am now using this as public domain book as my foundation to success, and I want to bring you along for the journey. So please enjoy, and your feedback is always welcome. With gratitude, thank you. You learned in lesson two that any idea you firmly fix in your subconscious mind by repeated affirmation automatically becomes a plan or blueprint, which is an unseen power uses in directing your efforts toward an attainment of the objective name in the plan. You have also learned that the principle through which you may fix an idea you choose in your mind is called auto-suggestion, which simply means a suggestion that you give to your own mind. It was this principle of auto-suggestion that Emerson had in mind when he wrote, quote, nothing can bring you peace but yourself, quote. You might well remember that nothing can bring you success but yourself. Of course, you will need the cooperation of others if your aim to attain success of a far-reaching nature, but you will never get the cooperation unless you vitalize your mind with the positive attitude of self-confidence. Perhaps you have wondered why a few men advance so highly paid positions while others all around them who have had much training and who seemingly perform as much work do not get ahead. Select any two people and these two people and these two types that you choose and study them. And the reason why one advances and the other stands still will be quite obvious to you. You will find that the one who advances believes in himself. You will find that he backs his belief with such dynamic, aggressive action that he lets others know that, that he believes in himself. You will also notice that this self-confidence is contagious. It's impelling. It's persuasive. It attracts others. You will also find that the one who does not advance shows clearly by the look on his face, by the posture of his body, by the lack of briskness in his step, by the uncertainty with which he speaks, that he lacks self-confidence. No one is going to pay much attention to a person who has no confidence in himself. He does not attract others because his mind is a negative force that repels rather than attracts. In no other field of endeavor does self-confidence or the lack of it play such an important part as in the field of salesmanship, and you do not need to be a character analyst to determine the moment you meet him whether a salesman possessed, possesses the quality of self-confidence. If he has it in the signs of his influence are written all over him, he inspires you with confidence in him and in the goods he is selling the moment he speaks. We come now to the point at which you are ready to take hold of the principle of auto-suggestion and make a direct use of it in developing yourself into a positive and dynamic and self-reliant person. You are instructed to copy the following formula, sign it, and commit it to memory. Self-confidence formula. First, I know that I have the ability to achieve the object of my definite purpose. Therefore, I demand of myself persistent, aggressive, and continu continuous action towards its attainment. Second, 
I realized that the dominating thoughts of my mind eventually produced themselves in outward, bodily action, gradually transforming themselves into a physical reality. Therefore, I will concentrate my mind for 30 minutes daily upon the task of thinking of the person I intend to be by creating a mental picture of this person and then transforming that picture into reality through practical service. Third, I know that through the principle of auto-suggestion, any desire that I persistently hold in my mind will eventually seek expression through some practical means of realizing it. Therefore, I shall devote 10 minutes daily to demanding of myself the development of factors named in the 16 lessons of the reading of this course on the law of success. Fourth, I have clearly mapped out and written down a description of my definite purpose in life for the coming five years. I have set a price on my services for which these five years at a price that I intend to earn and receive through strict application of the principle of efficient, satisfactory service, which I will render in advance. Fifth, I will fully realize that no wealth or position can long endure unless built upon truth and justice. Therefore, I will engage in no transaction which does not benefit all whom it affects. I will succeed by attracting to me the forces I wish to use and the cooperation of other people. I will induce others to serve me because I will first serve them. I will eliminate hatred, envy, jealousy, selfishness, cynicism by developing love for all humanity because I know that a negative attitude toward others can never bring me success. I will cause others to believe in me because I will believe in them and in myself. I will sign my name to this formula, commit it to memory, and repeat it aloud once a day with full faith that it will gradually influence my entire life so that I will become a, a successful and happy worker in my chosen field of endeavor. Signed. Before you sign your name to this formula, make sure that you intend to carry out its instructions. Back up of this formula lies a law that no man can explain. The psychologists refer to this law as autosuggestion and let it go at that. But you should bear in mind one point of which there is no uncertainty, that it is the fact that whatever this law is, it actually works. Another point to be kept in mind is the fact that just as electricity will turn the wheels of industry and serve mankind in a million other ways, or snuff out life if wrongly applied, so will this principle of autosuggestion lead you up the mountainside of peace and prosperity or down into the valley of misery and poverty according to the application you make it. If you fill your mind with doubt and unbelief in your ability to achieve, then the principle of autosuggestion makes this spirit of unbelief and sets it up in your subconscious mind as, you, as your dominating thought and slowly but surely draws you into the whirlpool of failure. But if you fill your mind with radiant self-confidence, the principle of autosuggestion auto takes this belief and sets it up as your dominating thought and help you master the obstacles that fall in your way until you reach the mountaintop of success. The power of habit. Having myself experienced all the difficulties that stand in the road of those who lack the understanding to make the practical application of this great principle of autosuggestion, let me take you a short way into the principle of habit, through the aid of which you may easily apply the principle of autosuggestion in any direction and in for any purpose whatsoever. Habit grows out of environment, out of doing the same thing or thinking the same thoughts or repeating the same words over and over again. Habit may be likened to the groove on a photograph record, phonograph record, while the human mind may be likened to the needle that fits into the groove. 
When any habit has been well formed through repetition of thought or action, the mind has a tendency to attach itself to and follow the course of that habit as closely as the phonograph needle follows the groove in the wax record. Habit is created by repeatedly directing one or more of the five senses of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and feeling in a given direction. It is through this repetition principle that the injurious drug habit is formed. It is through the same principle that desire for intoxicating drink is formed into a habit. After our habit has been well established, it will automatically control and direct our bodily activity, wherein may be found a thought that can be transformed into a powerful factor in the development of self-confidence. The thought is this, voluntarily and by force if necessary, direct your efforts and your thoughts along a desired line until you have formed a habit that will lay hold of you and continue voluntarily to direct your efforts along that same line. The object in writing out and repeating the self-confidence formula is to form the habit of making belief in yourself, the dominating thought of your mind until that thought has been thoroughly embedded in your subconscious mind through the principle of habit. You learn to write by repeatedly, repeatedly directing the muscles of your arm and hand over certain outlines known as letters until finally you form the habit of tracing these outlines. Now you write with ease and rapidity without tracing each letter slowly. Writing has become a habit with you. The principle of habit will lay hold of the faculties of your mind just the same as it will influence the physical muscles of your body, as you can easily prove by mastering and applying this lesson on, on self-confidence. Any statement that you repeatedly make to yourself or any desire that you deeply plant in your mind through repeated statement will eventually seek expression through your physical, outwardly bodily efforts. The principle of habit is the very foundation upon which this lesson on self-confidence is built. If you will understand and follow the directions laid down in this lesson, you will soon know more about the law of habit from first-hand knowledge than could be taught to you by a thousand such lessons on this. Break, break. I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. You have but little conception of the possibilities which lie sleeping within you. Awaiting but the awakened hand of vision to arouse you, you will never have a better conception of those possibilities unless you develop sufficient self-confidence to lift you above the commonplace influences of your present environment. The human mind is a marvelous, mysterious piece of machinery, a fact of which I was reminded a few months ago when I picked up Emerson's essays and reread his essay on spiritual laws. A strange thing happened. I saw in that essay, which I had read scores of times previously, much that I had never noticed before. Uh, I saw more in this essay than I had seen during previous readings because the unfoldment of my mind since the last reading had prepared me to interpret more. The human mind is constantly unfolding, like the petals of a flower, until it reaches the maximum of development. What this maximum is where it ends, or whether it ends at all, or not, are unanswerable questions. But the degree of unfoldment seems to vary according to the nature of the individual and the degree to which he keeps his mind at work. A mind that is forced or coaxed into analytical thought every day seems to keep an unfolding, developing greater powers of interpretation. Down in Louisville, Kentucky, lives Mr. Lee Cook, 
a man who has practically no legs and has to wheel himself around on a cart. In spite of the fact that Mr. Cook has been without legs since birth, he is the owner of a great industry and a millionaire through his own efforts. He has proved that a man can get along very well without legs if he has a well-developed self-confidence. In the city of New York, one may see a strong, abled, and able-headed young man without legs, rolling himself down Fifth Animal Avenue every afternoon with a cap in hand begging for a living. His head is perhaps a sound and has able to think as the average. This young, man, this young man could duplicate anything that Mr. Cook of Louisville has done if he thought of himself as Mr. Cook thinks of himself. Henry Ford owns more millions of dollars than he will ever need to use. Not so many years ago, he was working as a laborer in a machine shop, but with a little schooling and without capital, scores of other men, some of them with better organized brains than his, worked near him. Ford threw off the poverty consciousness developed confidence in himself, thought of success, and attained it. Those who worked around him could have done as well as had they thought as he did. Milo C. Jones of Wisconsin was stricken down with paralysis a few years ago. So bad was the stroke that he could not turn himself in bed or move a muscle of his body. His physical body was useless, but there was nothing wrong with his brain. So it began to function in earnest, probably for the first time in its existence. Lying flat on his back in bed, Mr. Jones made that brain create a definite purpose. That purpose was a, was prosaic and humble enough in nature, but it was definite and it was a purpose, something that he had never known before. His definite purpose was to make pork sausage. Calling his family around him, he told of his plans and began directing them in carrying out the plans into action. With nothing to aid him except a sound mind and plenty of self-confidence, Milo C. Jones spread the name and reputation of Little Pig Sausage, quoted, all over the United States and accumulated a fortune besides. All of this was accomplished after paralysis. paralysis had made it impossible for him to work with his hands. Where thought prevails, power may be found. Henry Ford had has made millions of dollars, and it is still making millions of dollars each year because he believed in Henry Ford and transformed that belief into a definite purpose and backed that purpose with a definite plan. Other machinists who worked along with Ford during the early days of his career visioned nothing but a weekly pay envelope, and that was all they ever got. They demanded nothing out of the ordinary of themselves. If you want to get more, be sure to demand more of yourself. Notice that this demand is to be made on yourself. There comes to mind a well-known poem whose author expressed a great psychological truth. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, but you think you can't, it is almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you've lost, for out of the world we find, success begins with a fellow's will, it's all in the state of mind. If you think you are outclassed, you are, you've got to think high to rise, you've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, 
but soon or late the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. It can do no harm if you commit this poem to memory and use it as part of your working equipment in the development of self-confidence. Somewhere in your makeup there is a, quote, subtle something, quote, which, if it were aroused by the proper outside influence, would carry you to the heights of achievement such as you have never before anticipated. Just as a master player can take hold of a violin and cause the instrument to pour forth the most beautiful and entrancing sounds of music, so is there some outside influence that can lay hold of your mind and cause you to go forth into the field of your chosen endeavor and play a glorious symphony of success. No man knows what hidden forces lie dormant within you. You, yourself, do not know your, your capacity for achievement. You never will know until you come in contact with that particular stimulus which arouses you to greater action extends your vision, develops your self-confidence, and moves you with a deeper desire to achieve. It is not unreasonable to expect that some statement, some idea, or some stimulated word of this reading course in the laws of success will serve as the needed stimulus that will reshape your destiny and redirect your thoughts and energies along a pathway that will lead you, finally, to your coveted goal of life. It is strange but true that the most important turning points of life often come at the most unexpected times and in the most unexpected ways. I have in mind a typical example of how some of the seemingly unimportant experiences of life often turn out to be the most important of all, and I am relating this with ease because it shows, also, what a man can accomplish when he awakens to a full understanding of the value of self-confidence. The incident to which I refer to in this city of Chicago, while I was engaged in the work of character analysis, one day, I, Tramp presented himself at my office and asked for an interview. As I looked up from my work and greeted him, he said, quote, I have come to see the man who wrote this little book, quote. <clears throat> As he removed from his pocket a copy of a book entitled Self-Confidence, which I had written many years previously, quote, it must have been the hand of fate, quote, he continued, quote, that, that slipped this book into my pocket yesterday afternoon because I was about to ready to go out there and punch a hole in Lake Michigan. I had about come to the conclusion that everything and everybody, including God, had it in for me until I read this book, and it gave me a new viewpoint, brought me the courage and the hope that sustained me through the night. I made up my mind that if I could see the man who wrote this book, he could help me get on my feet again. Now I am here, and I am, and I would like to know what you can do for a man like me. Quote. While he was speaking, I had been studying him from head to foot, and I'm afraid to admit that down deep in my heart I did not believe there was anything I could do for him. I did not wish to tell him so. The glassy, the glassy stare in his eyes, the lines of his discouragement in his face, the posture of his body, the ten days growth of beard on his face, the nervous manner about this man all conveyed to me the impression that he was hopeless. But I did not have the heart to tell him so. Therefore, I asked him to sit down and tell me his whole story. I asked him to be perfectly frank and tell me, as nearly as possible, just what brought him down to the ragged edge of life. I promised him that after I had heard his entire story, I would then tell him whether or not I could be of service to him. He related his story in lengthy detail, 
the sum of substance of which is this. He had invested his entire fortune in a small manufacturing business. When the World War started in 1914, it was impossible for him to get the raw materials necessary in the operation of his factory, and he therefore failed. The loss of the money broke his heart and so disturbed his mind that he left his wife and children and became a tramp. He had actually brooded over his loss until he had reached a point at which he was contemplating suicide. After he had finished his story, I said to him, I have listened to you with a great deal of interest, and I wish that there was something which I could do to help you, but there is absolutely nothing. Quote. He became as pale as he, as he will be when he is laid away in a coffin and settled back in his chair and dropped his chin on his chest as much as to say, quote, that settles it, quote. I waited for a few seconds, then said, quote, while there is nothing that I can do for you, there is a man in this building to whom I will introduce you, if you wish, who can help you regain your lost fortune and put you back on your feet again, quote. These words had barely fallen from my lips when he jumped up, grabbed me by the hands, and said, quote, God's sake, lead me to this man, quote. It was encouraging to note that he had asked this, quote, God, for God's sake, quote, this ind indicated that there was still a spark of hope within his breast, so I took him by the hand, arm and led him out of the laboratory where my psychological tests and character analysis were conducted and stood with him in front of of what looked to be a curtain over a door. I pulled the curtain aside and uncovered a tall looking glass in which he saw himself from head to foot. Pointing my, pointing my finger at the glass, I said, quote, There stands the man to whom I promised to introduce you. There is, there is the only man in this world who can put you back on your feet again. And unless you sit down and become acquainted with that man, as you never become acquainted with him before, you might just as well as go over and punch a hole in Lake Michigan because you will be of no value to yourself or to the world until you know this man better, quote. He stepped over to the glass, rubbed his hands over his bearded face, studied himself from head to foot for a few minutes, then stepped back, dropped his head, and began to weep. I know that lesson had been driven home, so I led him back to the elevator and sent him away. I never expected to see him again, and I doubted that the lesson would be sufficient to help him regain his place in the world because he had seemed to be far too gone for redemption. He seemed to not only down, but almost out. A few days later, I met this man on the street. His transformation had been so complete that I hardly recognized him. He was walking briskly with his head tilted back. That old, shifted, nervous posture of his body was gone. He was dressed in new clothes from head to foot. He looked prosperous and he felt prosperous. He stepped me and related that what had happened to bring about this rapid transformation from a state of abject failure to one of hope and promise. Quote, I was just on my way to your office, quote, he explained, quote, to bring you the good news. I went out the very day that I was in your office, a down and out tramp. I, despite my appearance, I sold myself at a salary of $3,000 a year. Think of it, man, $3,000 a year. And my employer advanced me money enough with which to buy some new clothes, as you can see for yourself. He also advanced me some money to send home to my family, and I am one more on the road to success. It seems like a dream when I think that only a few days ago I had lost all hope and faith and courage, 
and was actually contemplating suicide. I was coming to tell you that one of these days, when you are least expecting me, I will pay you another visit. And when I do, I will be a successful man, and I will bring with me a check signed in bank and made payable to you, and you will fill it in the amount because you have saved me from myself by introducing me to myself. That self, which I never knew until you stood me in front of that looking glass and pointed out the real me. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at keybravo.com. That is kb at keybravo.com. Have a wonderful day, and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.